Welcome to the Mindful Moments for Families and Schools podcast. This is Kelly Winkler, your host. If you are a parent or a teacher who would like to have a more peaceful, calm, and centered environment, then you are in the right place. In this podcast, we will learn to weave yoga and mindfulness into your daily routines to help both you and your children be able to regulate your emotions, feel connected, and be resilient. I'm excited to share these incredible tools with you, so let's get started. Welcome back to Mindful Moments for Families and Schools. This is your host, Kelly. It's interview Thursday, and I'm thrilled today to have on Adrienne Carsey. Adrienne, uh, throughout her own personal journey, life in the moments, Adrienne Carsey has learned that maintaining balance and living our own personal truth is a lifelong journey. She believes that just like our physical health requires consistent and mindful effort, caring for our mental and spiritual health should be a part of our daily lives. Experiencing different ways we can find balance and release in our own minds, bodies, and souls led Adrian to start Life in the Moment. Understanding energy in our body and using tools like Reiki, breathwork, crystals, and journaling allows Adrian to share mindfulness with people ages 1 to 110 anywhere in their journeys. Let's dive in with Adrian. Welcome, Adrian. Hey, Kelly. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you on. Um, can we start out by just tell us a little bit about you and how you got involved in mindfulness education? Sure, absolutely. So I am Adrian Carsey. I own uh, Life in the Moment. I got involved in mindfulness education really just uh, needing to learn how to parent um, my son. I'm a single parent or primary parent uh, to a three-year-old son. Uh, I think my introduction into mindfulness, uh, to be completely honest, he was about uh, somewhere in between six and eight weeks old and was just having one of those nights that babies have where they're up, down, up, down. Um, and just kind of my frustration, I picked him up a little bit less gently than I would have wanted to. And I, you know, just out of frustration said, what do you need now? And it, and at that young, a tiny baby flinched and it just, it just kind of, it, it put me to that point where I was like, okay, I need to figure something out, um, you know, to kind of help us, help us function as, you know, as a mom learning how to, to be a parent and, me running my own business and things like that so we just started him I started him kind of on even as an, a newborn just this this journey of mindfulness and I was a I was a social worker in what feels like a past life at this point <laughs> <laughs> so that just kind of um, incorporated you know with my passion to kind of teach people about energy and mindfulness and um, yep. So here we are. It's always so interesting to hear people's stories. They're always so personal. And thank you for being so honest and open. Um, you know, my my story of of getting into to the realm of mindfulness and yoga and wellness, um, you know, is 
spurt was spurred on also by by my children and specifically my my oldest daughter and her struggles and i've been open about that and i think um it's it's incredible our our children can be our our biggest teachers i think right oh. they really uh <laughs> Oh, a hundred percent to the but, point. Yeah. It's the bittersweet, beautiful frustration that you know, absolutely raising a mindful <laughs> child. And when they, when, when they, I don't want to say use that mindfulness against you, but when they pick the, <laughs> when they pick the perfect time to bring that mindfulness up and, you know, at two and a half years old, one time my son said, mama, can you please just be kind to me? And I was like, Oh, mm. Yeah, yep. yep, I sure will work on it right now. You know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. They are they are so intuitive, uh, even from a very young age. So again, thank you for sharing that story. I think that a lot of people will resonate with that and those feelings. Um, you know, as parents, it's it's the toughest job in the world and um, comes with lots of frustrations. And um, you know, I think that mindfulness um, can play a huge role in parenting. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that and expand on that piece a little bit? Sure. Um, I think, you know, this journey of mindfulness, I've been on parenting, mindful parenting, um, and, and not even necessarily direct parenting, but just dealing with all children in a more mindful way. Um, Like you said, the things that they can teach us when we just allow ourselves and them to slow down and maybe express how we feel. Um, That's probably one of the most valuable lessons in mindful parenting is, is letting kids show us how to feel that huge feeling that sometimes it feels like it is a life consuming feeling, how to feel it and move on, you know? And I think so much of parenting um, is just, is just parents still, holding on to a feeling that the kid let go 10 minutes ago, right? Like they got their, their quick, their quick rage, quick sadness out of the way. And we're still over here. Like our egos are hurt. Right. And we're like, <laughs> no, now you're just going to listen to me because I'm frustrated. And, you know, so much of that um, mindful parenting has just helped to show me how much parenting that I was doing. That was just reflexive. That was just how I was raised Um, you know, and I was raised to just, you'll listen to me and that's the absolute, that's the final say. And, you know, I, I understand that there's times where, you know, safety is involved and things like that, where kids need to listen right now and make moves right now. But I think a lot of the times, you know, kids just need the opportunity to be heard and seen and then things move much, much more smoothly for them. So that's what that mindfulness is for me is like, slowing down to remember that this is a tiny human, right? So like all of the feelings Mm -hmm. that I feel as an adult, they feel as a tiny human and they wake up with virtually zero control of their entire day. Right. Yeah. They wake up sometimes not when they want to having to Mm -hmm. do things that they didn't want, you know, like. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's all, it's all played out for them. And, uh, um, it's so true. Seeing them is so important. And I really feel like the the big piece about self-awareness as a parent is, is so important because if we don't become aware of our own emotions, you're right. We get stuck there and our kids have moved past it. And, um, and, and then we're stuck there, whether it be guilt or 
you know, anger, whatever that might be from, from whatever the situation was, um, we, we sort of create a roadblock for ourselves Mm -hmm. and, um, that can, that can then come back, come back around later on in the day or later on in the week or whatever that is. And, um, it's so important for us to be aware of our own feelings and, and it's so important for us to that for our kids to, to teach them to, to be aware of their feelings and work Mm -hmm. through them and then let them go. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that feelings can be, uh, you know, they're, they're constant, constantly in motion, right. Coming in and coming out. Um, And that's really an important piece. I know also you have um, a big piece of your, your business is about connecting mindfulness and healing emotionally and spiritually. So can we get into dive into a little bit about that? It is, of course, that's, um, that's one of my favorites, because ultimately, that to me engulfs all of mindfulness. Um, Mm -hmm. My my personal opinion is that release and balance of emotion um, is the core of us slowing down to feel, slowing down to release, um, and then kind of working on that attachment to feelings, to things, to people, to places, all of that. Um, You know, I, I mentioned having my son and Um, I actually got pregnant with him two months after my dad passed away. Um, My dad had a massive stroke and lived in the hospital for eight days before he died. And um, two months almost to the day I found out I was pregnant. And he was, my son was due on my mom's birthday, who my mom is is still living and an amazing human being. Um, But all of the signs were there to to show that like this was supposed to happen. And, you know, it it sent me on this journey of like learning how to in real time balance joy and grief, you know, Mm -hmm. um, my, my dad, uh, he didn't have any grandchildren when he passed and that was like something he wanted forever. So it's like this, um, it, it sent me on like this roller coaster of the just beautiful mess that it is like, that is all those feelings and even having a child without the grief aspect involved is a huge roller coaster of some of the most random irrational feeling feelings, but they're ours. And I feel yeah. like sitting in that power that they're ours and they can come and go very freely. And um, I feel like it's a, it's a responsibility to myself and son to learn how to release that energy and to continue to embrace all of those feelings. And, you know, it it makes for very odd conversation. And, you know, my, my group of amazing friends and a couple like Facebook groups, I mean, we are extremely open about feelings and it just, that lifts this weight off of you that you don't have to like be in shame if you're feeling grief or if you're feeling like, your self-confidence is just not high today, or um, you're thinking about something that happened 15 years ago that you thought you dealt with, like being open about all of those things to me, just, it makes life so much easier to work through. 
Yeah, that's a big piece of the mindfulness piece, right? About non-judgment, mm-hmm. right? Not judging, feeling our feelings and and recognizing them without judgment. And and I, I was watching a, a TV show recently. I can't even remember what, what the show was, but I, they were talking about feelings on the show that she was, she had the character, I think, was experiencing grief. And she was... Um, trying to say, I'm trying to choose happy, you know, and somebody said to her, you know, you're allowed to have more than one feeling at the same time, you know, and it's like, that's like an aha moment, you know, we're allowed to feel grief and then feel joy about things in our life or feel frustration and feel love for somebody at, you know, the same person at the same time. And I think that's a, that's an important piece too, about the mindfulness practice and like being okay with all of those emotions and that there's no there's no bad emotions or good emotions that just, they're all human emotions. Exactly. And, and again, they are valid because they are yours there. I feel like there are like a few foundational things about feelings and mindfulness. And that's one of them. Like you can feel so many of them at a time to the point that like my close group of friends and I, when we're having one of those days that you can just tell there's so much going through our heads. We're like, okay, list how you feel and why like out loud say I'm feeling this and this is why I'm feeling this and this is why and it's like when you separate them and and kind of get them out it's like oh what you know okay (laughs) when you say it out loud or you put it on paper you know it can just look like oh man that felt like it consumed my whole life and I just put it into one paragraph you right. know, and, and it almost know. like, yeah, it almost makes sense when you can say it out loud or, or like you said, write it down in a journal or just on a piece of paper, it, then you can like get clarity with it a little bit, I think, <laughs> rather than holding it inside your head and trying to, to wrestle with it, you know, trying to push it away. For sure. And, and that's, I feel like a big part of where that non-judgment comes in, because, you know, when we, when we feel things, especially if it's something that we thought we dealt with, right. And you can't see my quotation marks, but dealt with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I feel like we're taught to wait on this pivotal moment where we're like healed from all trauma that we've experienced. And we've dealt with this grief and we aren't impacted that we lost somebody who was so close to us. Like that's not a realistic place, right? We don't like heal from these things. And then ride out that self-actualized version of you for the rest of your life like it takes work and if something at at any point was a trauma to your body something like a great loss or as small as a balloon popping in your ear when you were eight years old right like if that Mm -hmm. trauma is embedded in your body it may and probably will circulate back around in some kind of way So like the mindfulness with emotion to me is slowing down to say, okay, like I see this, find a way to remind my body that I'm safe, but know that I Mm -hmm. see this coming back around and try to reduce the impact that it has like on our everyday lives. Yeah. And making those connections can be, can be so huge. Um, And, and I feel like uh, once you begin on this path of mindfulness, especially uh, in the, in the parenting aspect um, and you start making those connections. I know for me, I, I feel like they, they come more and more now. Like I, I just recently, um, I had a severe, uh, social anxiety as a child and have, you know, it took, took me many years to, to work through that. And, um, you know, of course that's not something that totally disappears, but 
you know, it's, it's much more minimized now. <laughs> and, but uh, those lasting effects, I, I just had a, a moment in parenting. I, I realized why I, I'm so frustrated when my kids ignore me. And I think that was like a thing for me as a kid feeling like, because I was so, um, socially anxious and and fearful of speaking or when I spoke that people wouldn't hear me mm. and that's like a little trigger for me so when my kids don't listen the first time I say something like I was thinking to myself like why is that so frustrating to me but then I was putting the pieces together and you know that's like you said like could be trauma from a long time ago and um, all of those things that come up uh, in you as you begin to parent um if you don't recognize them, then I feel like they can kind of take over, take over the the situation. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I feel like, you know, like you mentioned, that first step is dropping in to say, okay, why, why am I, you know, being impacted by this at this moment? And I feel like for me personally, the majority of the time, it is somehow like ego based, you know, and if, if you yeah. break down that not being heard, you know, that's, that's kind of that same thing. So many of us in that elementary to middle school points of our lives went through that, where we just felt Mm. invisible. And we went, you know, that is such an impactful part of brain growth, that when something happens to you at that point in your life, it, it feels like that is your whole entire life. Right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Stopping when we have an issue with what our child is doing. You know, I, I posted something the other day about how my son picks eggs out of a carton. And it, I was so aggravated that there was no order <laughs> to how he picks <laughs> eggs out of the carton. How he eats a cob of corn without me crawling out of my skin. <laughs> and I have to drop in and be like, okay, what if this literally does not matter at all? You know, and, okay. and for me, there's, I have a habit of like rushing my son right? For, for really no reason. Like, well, I walk him to school. There's not anything on the schedule for the day and I want to rush him. And, and I -hmm. stop and I'm like, okay, why? There's no reason to not let him play in a pile of dirt or stand and watch a squirrel for five minutes if he wants, you know? Right. Yes. Understanding that reason is huge. Yeah. It's a big, big piece. Uh, what would be uh, your number one tip for parents in using mindfulness with their children? Oh, number one, um, start at home, mindfulness with yourself um, and start like at your literal home and like within yourself and, you know, thinking about the reasons, um, you know, that, that we do get offended or that we are rushing kids or, that we intend disrespect when there may not be disrespect. I mean, we re, you know, we perceive disrespect when there may not be any right. intended, you know, I've had to talk to my mom. My, my mom has been so open about learning mindfulness and, you know, she was raised from like the household with the quick backhand. And if you said something mm. or you responded in any other way besides yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, you're, you're catching a quick backhand, you know, and like, there, there was a tiny bit of how I was raised the same way. And I have the reflex, <laughs> you know, like to mm-hmm. want to do the same thing when I just feel like 
I was disrespected where all my son was doing was expressing how he felt about the situation. You know what I mean? Like and he has right. every right as a human being to do that. So um, yeah, my family has just been huge on, on kind of on respecting that and, and watching to see, you know, I, I told my family when I ask my son a question he doesn't have to respond super fast if he's doing something, you know, if he's involved in these blocks and that's like his entire life at this moment. And I tell him something, I, I know he hears me. So I'll give him a good 15, 20, 30 seconds sometimes to respond. Some parents mm-hmm. choose, you know, they, they prefer an immediate response. I was raised that that immediate response equated to respect and I don't feel that way. So, you know, just, Again, diving into how, why we feel a certain way, um, I think is probably the most, most important way to start. And then being open with your kids at those times, at those times where you respond in a way that you didn't want to, as soon as, as soon as you're feeling a little bit more balanced, telling your child, I'm sorry, you know, I I will make a more mindful Mm -hmm. choice next time. No no, like, and that's been something that's hard to me, for me as well, because my ego wants to say, I'm sorry I yelled, but you shouldn't have. That's not like right. a, that's not a mindful, fair <laughs> apology. <laughs> a fair, a mindful, fair apology is I'm, sh- I'm sorry, I should not have done X, Y, Z, and I will do X, Y, Z differently in the future. Yeah, it's tough as a parent to to do that, but so important. I I have teenagers now. I, well, I have two two younger and and two teenagers, and um, my one teenager um, just is I, I'm I'm about uh, doing things very early and on time, and you know preparing and he just works differently. He works in a way that works for him. He he's okay leaving things till the last hour and he always gets it done and pulls it off. And that's just how, how he is. And I have to accept him for that. But sometimes I get very frustrated. Like, are you finishing this project? Are you working? You know, like, and I, I feel my anxiety rising because I, I know he has this thing that's due the next day or whenever it is. And, and as my anxiety rises, I'm, I'm, taking it out to him. And and many times I've had to go to him and say like, you know, you know what, I'm sorry. That's my mm-hmm. anxiety talking. I know you have it under control. I know you work the way you work and I have to accept you for that. And, but it's, it's hard to do as a parent sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> for yeah, sure. it definitely is. And, you know, again, that's how, how being open with them can be really beneficial because you being open to say, like I'm, I feel anxiety for you could lead a child to be open to respond, you know, and and I have had such fantastic conversations with young kids who once they know you're open to share your feelings, they're like, Oh, okay, well, this is why I feel like this. And then it it can be, it can be easy sometimes to work through what you thought was a big thing. Cause you're like, Oh, this is how I felt. Oh, cool. Okay. This is how I felt. You know, and and I have learned so much value in that since like the journey of losing my dad and having my son, just the value and being open with complete, even complete strangers, you know, like just Mm -hmm. that openness of emotion. And I tell my son, like one of my um, best friend's daughters, (laughs) she, I guess about, I was probably about six months pregnant and we had some kind of get together and 
and at Mm -hmm. six or seven years old, she came and sat down next to me in the middle of a party and said, you really miss your dad, huh? And I was like, well, of course, the tears just immediately started flowing. And it was just such a beautiful moment of like, she didn't care what was going on. She saw that I was Mm -hmm. sitting there sad and she knew why. And she just flat out, you know, like kids, they don't really hold those secrets of like, oh, you're hurting, huh? They're like, no, let's talk about this. And you know yeah yeah it's not off limits right when when they're young there's there's the those feelings and those emotions they're not off limits to talk about I think that we we model that unfortunately (laughs) sometimes for our kids that some things are off limits to talk about and and that's that's another big piece of of like being aware and then being open with your kids because you're then modeling like it's okay to talk about your feelings and 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 accept them and and not to feel ashamed or anything about, about how you're feeling. So that that's beautiful. I also saw that you have mindfulness training for classrooms. So can you tell us about that program and your experience in using mindfulness in schools? Absolutely. There, um, it's definitely one of my favorites. I'm a firm believer that you can start teaching kids at any age about how energy impacts their body and how we can use mindfulness to to try to see where we need some release and balance. Um, So I have different customizable programs. I have programs that would would be like teachers only, you know, for teachers to learn tools to go into the classroom. And I also have programs um, virtual and in-person where it's like the kids and the teachers and we're all talking about, you know, different ways um you know a lot of times we start and again this can start so young to ask a child like when they're sad or mad where where do they feel that in their body right and and any age kid and really it's always so amazing the younger kids sometimes are so much more in tune that they can tell you immediately like my head tingles or my hand hurts Mm -hmm. or something like that whereas it can take an adult 15 minutes to drop in and be like, Oh, where, when I'm mad, where do I feel that in my body? You know what I mean? But kids, kids can just rattle off. Like, this is where I feel it. So then we talk about safe and kind ways to kind of release that. And I, um, I have different graphics that are geared towards classrooms and homes where it gives kids, um, one poster has nine, the other poster has 16 options of safe and kind ways that we can release some of that excess energy. So it's things like jumping or dancing or drumming or singing um, where, you know, in that moment when it may be tough to pick a safe and kind choice, we can have this list of options. I love that. That's really valuable for, for the teachers to learn and and the students. It's, it's really important. Um, I, I think that, a lot of times behaviors, you know, at home and in the classroom are misinterpreted by the adults. And, um, you know, I try when I work with uh, parents and teachers, I talk about, you know, viewing the behaviors as just as communication, not as bad behavior or difficult behavior, but just as a way of the child trying to mm-hmm. communicate that they're having some kind of feeling or emotion or some kind of energy in their body that they're not know- knowing how to work with that properly. And, and so that's great, those graphics to, to give all those different kinds of choices of how they can 
release that. Yeah, and and it. it it really, for me personally, helps me look at kids and even myself almost like a giant infant, right? Where if we're crying or screaming or something is wrong, there are like these this core group of things that we need to check, right? Do we have enough water? Have we have we taken a few deep breaths? You know, have we stretched our body? Like there's these mm. core things. And then sometimes it needs to be taken a step further, you know, like if it's not water and nutrition, a nap <laughs> or a stretch, you know, yeah. is it like, I just need to read for a little bit, or I just need to step out and put my feet on the grass, you know, like all, all of these mm. different, very easy things are available to us you know, without any tools needed at all. I think it's just important to talk about them in the moment that we're feeling balanced and good. You know, a lot of us want to teach these valuable lessons when, when our child is in a moment of devastation (laughs) and then we want to be like, calm down, talk to me about your feelings, calm down. Okay. (laughs) Would that work for adults? No, but it is. Yeah. (laughs) I do it to my son fairly often. And then I'm like, Adrian, slow down, like give him a minute to that. Don't walk away from him. Cause for that, my, for my child, that is personally devastating for him. You know, um, some kids don't care. You can leave them crying in a room for 10 minutes, you know, but just like Mm -hmm. dropping in to remember this is a tiny human being. Like what, what do they Mm -hmm. need in this moment? And what do we need in this moment? And I've, I've learned so much about energy on this journey and, um, I'm a Reiki practitioner as well. So understanding like how energy flows in our body and just understanding um, the ability to remember that we are completely separate from our kids has been huge for mm-hmm. me. Um, you know, when you're so absorbed in like them having these really big feelings, it can be hard to remember that you are a completely separate person. Oh, without a doubt. It's, it's really tough sometimes to separate yourself. And I I have two of my kids um, that, that suffer with anxiety and I get very easily wrapped up sometimes in, in their, in their anxiety, causing me to feel anxious. And um, so much of what you just said was, was um, I was thinking of all of these (laughs) all of these things. First, I want to, I want to go back a minute to, to those, those different layers that you were talking about. Like first, do we take a drink of water and take a deep breath? And um, that's, I, I love that because I think that being aware of the different steps that we can go through and like how much, you know, depending on how anxious or how upset or what, what the big feeling is, how we're feeling, we, we can give ourselves different levels of, of support. And it just reminded me, my son, um, he experienced trauma when uh, my, my grandmother passed. Unfortunately, he, she had a massive heart attack and he was standing right next to her. And um, he was about seven years old at the time. And so that was obviously very traumatic for him and something that he's now 11, but something that he's had to work through. And um, I was so proud of him because they were reading a book in school and, and in the book, uh, the grandmother passes away and um, he came home from school that day. And he said, mom, like in our book, the grandma passed away. And I said, Oh, and uh, he said, I knew I, I was getting upset. And I said, how did you know you were getting upset? He said, well, first I felt my throat mm. get tight. 
So I was so proud of him, first of all, for recognizing his body signals. And then I said, so what did you do? He said, well, I tried my deep breathing, but it just wasn't enough. So I said, well, then what did you do? And he said, well, I raised my hand and asked if I could go get a drink of water. So he went and got got his water bottle. And he said, and then I took a drink of water. And I said, then when he said, it still wasn't enough. And I was like, okay, so then what did you do? And he said, then I knew I just needed to move a little bit more. He said, so I just really took my time walking back to my desk and paid attention to my feet touching the floor. And I was just so proud of him because... He was really able to work through. And a couple of years ago, you know, that would have resulted in a major panic attack and a visit to the nurse's office, probably a phone call to me. And so it's really it just shows like we can teach our children these these things and these different steps that they can go through. And and then with lots of practice, they they can do that for themselves. Yeah. So um, yeah, oh, that's it's really beautiful. It's really that's a, pr- that's a proud mom moment right there. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I was so yeah. proud of him. Because all of the <laughs> times that we think things aren't working, right? And then you see something that works. And yes. like kids can be so much more receptive to these mindful practices than we are. And I think a lot of times we as parents project onto our kids that they're not ready or that they won't they won't get it. Oh yeah. Or that anything like that. And um, pre COVID, I haven't started them back, but I, I teach a monthly, um, family and community mindfulness meditation class where we just cover different things we can do at home and, and things like that. And I've heard so many parents say, Oh, I can't bring my kid is too wild, too loud, bouncing around. Mm -hmm. And those are the kids that will sit there the entire class and do everything. And their parents are looking over there like, what is this? And I'm like, no, you, I just like gave him the opportunity to do it instead of us projecting like, Oh, he's hyper. He won't like that. Or she's, she talks all the time. So she won't be quiet, you know, like all of those things. Yes. Oh, I hear it all the time as a yoga teacher. I I do a lot of kids and family classes and people say all the time, like, oh, my kid will not be able to do yoga and meditation. And I'm like, oh, you'll be surprised. Give it a shot. And then you you get the same results, like parents shocked, you know, can't believe their their eyes. That that brings me actually to the next question of um, sharing a, a story of transformation that you've seen, you know, either in a school or working personally with a family? Is there something that that sticks out in your mind as, um, you know, once you introduce this mindfulness? Definitely. Um, Let's see, kids wise. um, So I, I offer and it's funny, I mentioned the names of our programs being similar. I offer I offer mindful moment consultations, um, virtually and in person Mm. and was working with um, a young child who was having some, some issues at school with, um, I think it was just a, uh, uh, the child's outlet was being seen as like disruption, like you mentioned earlier, whereas it was just like a child mm-hmm. saying like, Hey, I need somebody to see and hear me. Um, and I think just mm-hmm. talking to that child about how to express that in the moment to, um, to their teachers and how to um, how to let them know in an appropriate way that like, hey, I'm not being defiant. Like, I just need you to leave me alone, right. not speak to me for a minute right now. Or, you know, I think so many times we don't give kids the opportunity to say, please don't talk to me right now. 
And then when we're frustrated mm-hmm. and we feel like this is a time for a life lesson, then we want to keep on and keep on. Well, at three years old, my son, my son has, he will say, can we please not talk right now? And I'm like, okay. And I think a lot of kids mm-hmm. um, today don't really have that option to say that. So just teaching him right. like, you know, he, you can ask an adult that you can ask an adult to, to like, please, you know, in a kind way, please get out of my face right now. <laughs> Now's not the time. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Need some so space. <laughs> just helping him to see that power uh, that he had that power and then helping, um, helping him to identify where that resonated in his body. Right. Like, so where he felt that anxiety or where he felt um, a certain part of his body react to something. It was just huge to see him become, become so much more comfortable and realize that like everybody has these feelings. You know, we had, a um, we had, he and I had a couple quick sessions, you know, just virtually by ourselves. And then we had a, cu- a couple with his family as well. And, we were talking about going into like a parent teacher conference. And I said, you know, how do you think you you'll feel? And he, he said, he'll feel uncomfortable. And I said, well, did you know that probably every adult in that room is also a little bit anxious and uncomfortable? And like, he looked at his mom, like, Mm. what, for real? You, (laughs) you know, and she's like, yeah, things like that make me uncomfortable, (laughs) a little bit uncomfortable too. And, and your teacher may be uncomfortable as well. And it was like, mind blowing to him like what like the adults are the adults are anxious about it too and you know it's just like this beautiful thing for him to realize that like yep we all have these and we all have to figure out how to work through them in a safe and kind way yeah that's awesome yeah beautiful story well you mentioned a few of your different programs but do you want to just give us a, a list of, of things that you have to offer? Uh, sure there is there is a very um, random variety I teach uh, I teach a lot of very <laughs> unique mindfulness as well I'm one of those people who silent and silent and still meditation normally does not benefit me um, so I teach a lot of different like I take groups to the smash room and tailors um, and teach different, um, like I said, different in-class and in-home programs, mindfulness. Every other Wednesday, I teach a um, mostly rap R&B and reggae-based meditation at Joy Apothecary. Um, Yeah, and so Mm. just teach people different unique ways to really drop in in the moment um, and identify, release, and balance energy. Yeah. Oh, well, that's awesome. I will definitely, um, I will link your website to the show notes, but where else can our listeners? So I am on Facebook. Um, I have life in the moment. Uh, People are always welcome to reach out on my personal page, Adrian Carsey. It's A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-C-A-R-C-I. Um, on Facebook. I also have a really fun Facebook community called Not Your Mama's Mindfulness Group, where we talk about all, all, all things <laughs> mindfulness, um, whether it's nature, the moon, parenting. Um, yeah, everything. Yep, absolutely. Love it. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Adrian, for, for joining me. Uh, this was, Ooh. this was fun and um, so interesting. I, I can talk to you for so much thing. longer, but I want to be mindful <laughs> of your time. <laughs> And, um, you know, it was just, it was just wonderful. And I'm sure, like I said, our, uh, the listeners are going to identify with lots of um, the stories and feelings. So thank you for sharing and being so open and for all of your tips. I really, Absolutely. I really it. hope, I really hope that openness becomes contagious. That's one of my main goals. And and kind of my business is teaching people, you know what, if you're at the Christmas dinner table and something, a heavy feeling comes up for you, then that means that's the time to say that. So I hope that openness is contagious. I really enjoyed talking with you, Kelly. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. You too. I loved that conversation with Adrienne. It was so candid and so many important points were made. Here are some takeaways. One, mindfulness can empower you as a parent and empower your children. Two, being mindful of your feelings involves non-judgment. All feelings are valid. Three, you can feel more than one emotion at a time. Four, mindful parenting starts at home with yourself. Five, being open with your children when you don't respond how you wish you had is so important. Six, being open with your children about your feelings can open a door for your children to share with you. Seven, help your children recognize their feelings by asking where they feel that emotion in their body. Eight, offer children choices of safe ways to release energy. Nine, there are layers of needs we have Meet your basic needs and then go deeper when you need to. 10. During big emotions, don't expect your child to talk about what they're feeling. Just be there to support them. Have the other conversations during times of calm. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Adrian and go out and be mindful with your children and yourself. And I look forward to our next episode next week. Thank you for joining me on my mission to spread peace and joy by introducing children and families to the power of yoga and mindfulness. I could not achieve this goal without all of you listening and trying these tips with the kids in your life. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please subscribe and leave me a review. If you would also suggest this podcast to parents and teachers, I would be so grateful. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Mindful Moments for Families and on Facebook at Kidding Around Yoga with Kelly. For more information on my offered programs, such as yoga classes for children and adults, workshops and professional development, and corporate chair yoga, visit my website at kiddingaroundyoga.com backslash Kelly. I'll see you all here on our next episode, but in the meantime, remember, take a deep breath. <laughs>